We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. This is Todd Zola here on the Thursday Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am filling in for Jeff Erickson, who is representing the site at the FSGA meetings in Las Vegas. And I am very happy to bring on our special guest, Jeff Nar, friend of ours, colleague, Ron Chandler. We're going to talk about uh, a book that he's written. But first, let's just let's say hi to Ron. Ron, uh, seen you once a week for the past few weeks on for Tout Wars meeting, but I'll good to see you again. Yeah, hi. It's uh, it's always good to connect. Um, this time of year, it's a lot of fun just to start ramping up and get excited for the upcoming season. So, sure, any any time, any opportunity to connect with friends and talk baseball now is 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 a good thing. We we you know probably would have had John anyway at some point, Jeff or I. But it's we we do have a a specific reason. We will talk about your book, but apparently, apparently, you know, I guess kind of a partial humble brag, I guess, because I was a little bit involved. Apparently, Jeff picked up some hardware in Las Vegas. So when I return to the, the Fantasy Sports Radio show in a week or later this month, I'll be returning to the award-winning Sirius XM Fantasy uh, Rotowire, took took the award, the FSJ award, for the uh, the best uh, radio show. So I'm a small part of that. Congratulations to the crew. And as you said, it's fun to talk baseball. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, congratulations to, to you guys. I mean, it's always good to be recognized by your peers. Yeah, and and the FSGA. I mean, that they're the epitome of of, of the best people in this uh, in this hobby. Not for sure. Uh, we used to, we both used to go to the meetings back in the day. I have not mm-hmm. been for a few years myself, just because um, just uh, representing myself. I don't have a company to pay for it, and I miss it. Mm-hmm. I miss the you know miss the camaraderie. But we got a few a few events coming up in a couple of weeks where we'll get to see. See most everybody. So, but first, let's let's talk about the main. I don't know the main reason you're here, and you put out a book. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've been actually putting out books now for almost forty well, years, yeah. but it's yeah, there it is. It's it's the first book I've ever put out that has more words than numbers. Here we go. <laughs> so it's the fantasy expert. Yeah. Um, you can talk a little bit about about what's what's in it. Apparently, so we had a, a printing for First Pitch Arizona, but mm-hmm. right, it's a, coincidentally a nice time to have you on because it's soon to be available, right? Yes, it's the uh, the hardcover edition, which uh, oh. <laughs> mine's <Yeah>. soft. <laughs> it's uh, it's coming out uh, on Tuesday, February twentieth, 
Um, it will be available on Amazon in the uh, Triumph uh, Triumph Books website. In fact, and might as well give the plug while it's here. It's right. 30%, 30% off if you uh, place your order by before it drops on Tuesday. Uh, go to the Triumph uh, Books, triumphbooks.com website, search for Fantasy Expert. And uh, when you go to the checkout, type in Expert 30, E-X-P-E-R-T-3-0, 30% off on the book uh, before Tuesday. So, uh, yeah. Sounds like a plan to me. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Paul Fantasy Expert, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it's about and maybe the inspiration for writing it? Sure. I, um, I'm i a little bit of an information pack rat. And over the course of uh, many, many years, I had accumulated uh, lots and lots of stuff. I mean, I had every um, baseball weekly Leviathan issue since the Clinton administration. I had kept basically every email since the uh, the mid-1990s and, and tore out articles and, and fantasy uh, sports magazine and uh, just every possible thing that I found interesting that I thought uh, was was good information about the the industry and I thought at some point um, I, maybe I'd write a book but never the opportunity never presented itself because I was always busy working doing all this other stuff until the pandemic hit and suddenly everything stopped in the spring of 2020 and i thought well what am i going to do with my time and uh sophia well let's let's tackle this project it's uh, going to be a big project i started uh, assembling all the research and started writing it and it, it took three years but uh here we are finally uh with the book coming out uh, next week so uh yeah now cool we'll talk a little bit more detail i should did mention that this fine podcast is sponsored by our friends at Fantrax. We'll tell you a little bit more about Fantrax uh, in, in a bit. Um, so three years, well, let's say three years in the making. It's 20 years in the making. Yeah. <laughs> three years to do it. Yeah. But I know, I know firsthand that you, you are the information pack rat because you <laughs> wanted to talk to me a couple times about you once wrote this. And I, I did. So you've been, you've been keeping information for a lot, I, for, I guess many different reasons, but you, since the industry became, you know, filled with more than just you, you, you probably get a file of, of a lot of different things that a lot of different people said. Yeah. I mean, lots of things. Um, my mind goes in all sorts of different directions <laughs> and, and the whole idea, I mean, I've called the book fantasy expert, which is total irony because I hate the term too. fantasy expert. But the whole idea of of calling this hobby fantasy has always really bothered me. And the whole idea of being an expert or being considered an expert, I, I just don't buy into that whole thing. So uh, whenever I come across something that would talk about you know, fantasy in terms of the, what this hobby is or what an expert is in this hobby, and you've written a bunch of some really interesting things about what it means to be an expert, I just I kept that stuff. I you know I, I scrolled yeah. it away and I said, well, let's let's see if we can define what a fantasy expert is and whether there is really such a creature. So um, that became a chapter in the book, and um, then it was just really a lot of history. It's uh, you know growing up in this this industry in the 1980s and what it was like playing fantasy before the internet, and uh, some of the personalities who wrote books and and uh, were major. Uh, 
major people in, in growing the industry back in the late 80s and early 90s, they all have fascinating stories. And uh, having the opportunity to talk to folks like Greg Ambrosius and find out that, you know, he one of the reasons he joined Krause Publications is they needed a third baseman for their softball team. So uh, <laughs> yeah. just really fun stuff like that. And it really got me going in, in, in writing the book. So that was good. It was fun. You, you, I mean, it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek joke. There's more letters and numbers in this book. But a lot of the stuff that you wrote, especially later in your career, was more storytelling than analytics. Um, how how uh, freeing was it to have a whole book where you're telling stories and don't have to worry about WOBA and exit velocity and, and things like that? Yeah, it was uh, It was and still is very freeing. I, I really enjoyed that process of being able to just uh, – you know, it's let my creative juices flow and just write and uh, not have to worry that um, Brad Fulmer's projection was going to be correct <laughs> or not. <laughs> um, yeah. And to be honest, you know, after having written this book and, and the actual writing of it has been done now for um, about nine months, uh, I've already started accumulating things for the, the next book because there has to be a next book. Um, and uh, that's that's. That's what's kind of driving me at this point is that type of writing, I think, is uh, is one of the key drivers, at least this at this point in my career. Yeah, it, reading and thinking about that got me thinking in that we're off. We're both asked a lot. We talked about it at first pitch. What do I need to do to be a writer? How do I break into the business? And I think something that is not talked about enough is I think in order to be a great writer, you need to be a great reader. And I'm not, I'll admit, I'm not a great reader. I don't read for pleasure. I don't. I just, I since high school, and even then, uh, my, my my stress dream is taking the test on Wuthering Heights without having read it. I can't <laughs> listen to Kate Bush, even though she's such a wonderful artist, because of that Wuthering Heights song that she sings. But, I mean, I've managed to make a career out of writing about fantasy, but I'm not a good, I'm not a great writer, writer. I know you read. I hear you talk about the book. So how much, how important is it to just be a reader to do what you do? Well, I think it's pretty important. I think any writer will say that the best way to, to be a better writer is just to read. Because I think you, you develop your own style um, based upon acquiring bits and pieces of the styles of the writers that you read. Uh, I don't think anybody has their own really unique style that nobody's ever done before. I think right. everything is, is sort of an integration of, of the different writers that you read. And I mean, I've had uh, many writers who I've read over time and I've gone through different phases of writers who I, I like a lot. I mean, I'm a huge Kurt Vonnegut fan. I think some of my style uh, has little elements of Kurt Vonnegut in it and um, you know, a lot of different sports writers and, and even current sports writers now. Um, the, People who I read religiously are guys like Joe Sheehan. I think he's, you know, one of the best baseball writers now um, who's out there. I mean, I read you. I read, you know, all the guys in, in Tout Wars as much as I can. And each of them have their own styles. So you, you have to, I think you have to read just to, to, to see the different types of analyses that are going on and the ways people approach things. So, yeah, I think it's important. Yeah, I mean, I read baseball, obviously. But I just, when I have to, for whatever reason, if I'm writing more telling more of a story for whatever reason i'm just I, I struggle with it I, it's not as comfortable i grew up as a technical writer mm -hmm. so i learned how to convert 
technical writing for science into fantasy, which isn't a very hard leap, obviously. <laughs> but uh, it just when I do want to tell more, I'm you know, I've, I've done it, but uh, I just I don't read enough. And I mean, I know you know, Lar Michaels used to read Tristan. Re I don't want to name names because I'll forget someone. Scott Pianowski. I hear you guys talking books all the time, and I can tell by reading their stuff. I can tell by reading Tristan's stuff that he re he reads a lot. You know, not just baseball. You can just you just have a you have a feeling. I think that's important element that we don't talk about enough of as far as becoming i can say posted and registered and recorded and sported and logged and notched and all those i can do those and i call it hamburger writing because uh my undergrad the cafeteria we used to make jokes about how many different times they used they they made a meal from hamburger and called it something different yeah. so steak or chop suey or or taco whatever it was the same yeah. lump of we used to call it red Italian slop. We always wondered what yeah. it was. <laughs> yeah. So that's my hamburger writing because all the different ways they, they did they did hamburgers. So you, you mentioned a little bit about the, the book. It covers the history of it, it, it's sort of the history of fantasy, but where where you were at that time, sort of inter interspur, you know, you're telling the history of it, but you're also where where you were, what you were doing, what the site was doing, HQ and other other things, I found that kind of a nice thread, you know, keeping everything together from your point of view. So it wasn't just historical, but it's also what you were doing at the time. And it wasn't all peaches and cream, then was it? There were there were a couple of conflicts, and how you're part at the point you you know you've got the cachet you can write about. How was it uncomfortable writing of recalling some of the conflicts or you thought it was necessary well you know to take a step back just a little bit i mean yeah. I, when, I, when i first approached the project i really had the possibility of taking it in two different directions i could i could have made it a straight reference volume of 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 the history of of the, the hobby and footnoted everything and 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 been really precise about how i approached this or i could just tell my story and how things occurred around me since i lived through it i mean i was in my first fantasy league in 1984. So I was there nearly at the beginning and I, I've seen how this industry has grown and how it's gone through different cycles. And I thought it would be a more interesting um, story uh, if I just told it from that perspective. Uh, so in doing that, I've got to tell about all the conflicts that I went through too, all, all the people who were not the best competitors, who uh, people who, uh, you know, you know I, I, I always thought that the growing industry, there was a, it was big enough for everybody to have a piece of the pie, but there were some people who got in who wanted more, a bigger piece of their pie. So that you know they stepped over some lines uh, from business ethical standpoint, and uh, I called them on it and uh, I talk about how lawyers got involved sometimes and yeah, um, yeah. I mean it's there was so much that happened over the course of you know two plus decades and. I thought it was fascinating, and and so I, you know, tried to create craft the narrative in such a way that readers would find it interesting as well. You didn't expose any secret, you know. I mean, you, the stuff is out there at the time, yeah. so yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, but that was, uh, you know, I, I found, you know, some of the, oh yeah, I mean, maybe I wasn't in, as involved in the industry at the time, so uh, the, yeah, I learned a few things. I didn't, I didn't know that, but uh, and you know. Having been there through most of it, a lot of it was just kind of. I remember that, and that was that was fun. So it was it was kind of a, a, from my point of view. But I think it'd be a great from people who just play the game to get a better feel for 
what happened, what went on, and maybe have a little bit of understanding of where we're at now, which is, yeah. uh, you're kind of already alluded to it. We're still moving. Another book is necessary. Yeah, well, which, uh, which, I, th I think one of the biggest things is that, you know, I take a look at this now, and, and right now, you know, the rise in all the advanced baseball analytics and how uh, folks who are at the cutting edge of, of these analytics uh, are also fantasy players. Yep. But back in the 1980s, sabermetricians, baseball analysts, and fantasy leaguers did not see eye to eye at all. There was uh, a massive chasm between the two uh, schools of thought, uh, mostly because of Pete Rose and the whole uh, aura of gambling that you know MLB was trying to stay away from. And sabermetricians, baseball analysts, they were looking to try to get into MLB front offices and be in their good graces, so they could not associate with anything that even smelled of gambling and fantasy baseball back in the 80s and early 90s, it was this huge whiff of gambling that uh, people were trying to stay away from. So it was just kind of a balancing act and it caused some interesting conflicts back then. Right. And you talk a little bit about that in the book too, with how Charlie Wiegert and Rick Wolf and Glenn Kelton were instrumental and in making sure that we're being able to talk about what we're talking about right now. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it, that was, that was part of, you know, I think, I think of, of, of the, I think Charlie sometimes is, they, oh yeah, I forgot how instrumental Charlie was in that whole, in that whole, I don't, yeah, I guess it was an ordeal. Uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I have, I have to basically apologize though here just a little bit too, because the original draft of this book was uh, hundred and almost 170,000 words. And uh, when Triumph Books agreed to publish it, they said I had to cut it back to 120,000 words, which meant I had to cut out some, some characters, some stories, uh, and things along those lines that I, I think were pretty important, but I just didn't move the narrative along as, as quickly as I'd hoped. Um, Charlie Wiegert's whole story, unfortunately, did not make it into the book, but um, I did have it written up. And I also have uh, on my website, uh, there's the outtakes from this book that uh, are available. And there you could you could read about things like, you know, how Charlie Wiegert's origin story and uh, a little bit more about Erwin uh, Zwilling and, and Lenny Melnick and, and some of uh, the other characters who got, I mean, didn't have as full a treatment as I had hoped to, but um, the, the story is huge. You know, it's yeah. and even even with the outtakes, even with the entire treatment, there were still people who were important in the industry who I, I just couldn't get to. Um, and it, a lot happened over 20, 25 years. I can tell you that. No, for sure. Uh, I need to just take a little bit of a pause and tell our, our, our listeners about Fantrax, which is why we're able to talk today. Uh, Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your Dynasty Keeper redraft and best ball leagues. Coming from another service, Fantrax makes it easy to transfer. Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. Fantrax offers the most in-depth player pool in the industry, including minor league players. Do you need a customizable commissioner service for your fantasy league? Fantract offers more customization than any platform, including waivers, categories, your scoring system, the schedule. We offer Fantrax offers custom solutions for all that and more. And most of it is free. You can pay for some very advanced uh, functions, but run we use. Uh, Fantrax has been kind to us, kind to us, so letting us use their platform to run our tout leagues online drafts. 
back in you mentioned the pandemic for your writing, we we used them for our auctions too because we couldn't get together. So Dantrax has always been a friend of Tout Wars. We're going to be using them for our online drafts coming up. They they make them public, which is the main reason why we use them. So they've been uh, they've been a friend of Tout Wars. Yeah, they've been a good friend uh, of ours. I I've also used Fantrax for my one of my local leagues here. Yeah, we've been using some of the major media sites that are free and easy for a lot of uh, rookie fantasy leaguers. And in, in my community here, there were some guys who hadn't played it all. So we had to get them up on the learning curve here. And so getting them onto the uh, the major media sites was the easy way. But once they started wanting customized options for a lot of the rules, it was like, hey, guys, you know, we, we got to do fan, fan tracks now. So, <laughs> I mean, that was like a no-brainer. <laughs> sure. So... Sign up for free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Mm. Simply go to fantrax.com slash rotowire and sign up. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X dot com slash rotowire. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. So we were we're talking a little about work. We're gonna uh, shift on over to, to Babs, your your buddy Babs in a moment. But uh just uh can you tell the listeners one more time how they can get the book and make sure the discount? Sure. Sure. Uh, several places to get the book. Um, if you're want to find out more about the book, see the table of contents, uh, some uh, excerpts and whatnot, you can head over to my website at ronchandler.com slash fantasy expert. And uh, there's a whole bunch of interesting stuff there you can look at. Uh, it's, it's on Amazon. It's uh very easy to, to find a fantasy expert there. And uh, on the Triumph Books website, uh, triumphbooks.com, and if you do a search for fantasy expert, uh, you can get a 30% discount through Tuesday. If uh, in the shopping cart, just type in expert30, E-X-P-E-R-T-3-0, and you can get 30% off through Tuesday when we officially drop the hard copy book. Anyway, it's a great, great reading the book in between profiles. I actually knocked it off most of it at the airport, uh, waited for my on the on the way home from first pitch, so uh, it was made nice nice reading for for the airport. But you've you've alluded to your website a couple times, but you have a your baseball project uh-huh. is Babs. So I Babs. thought we could check in. I know you're it's a maybe a, some some changes a little bit to, to Babs. So tell the fine folks what Babs is, what it's for, how they can use it, and any changes from last year? Uh, sure. Well, BABS is an acronym for Broad Assessment Balance Sheet. It's a uh, it's a draft uh, prep process that uh, I've been uh, promoting for the last, I don't know, five or six years. Uh, it essentially is driven by the concept that we're really not that good at predicting the future. Um, and as, as long as we obsess about the uh, precision in, in baseball projections and, and and trying to rank players uh, via ADPs and dollar values and whatnot, uh, we're, we're, we're kind of going astray. We need to kind of take a step back and look at it from, from 30,000 feet and take a look and see that most players are really more alike than they are different. And when we try to rank them, we, we're missing that point. We we're thinking, oh, this number eight pick is better than the number two pick, but in terms of underlying skills, most of them are not all that different. So um, BABS basically groups players into uh, skills profiles. 
And uh, these profiles are defined by uh, the, the metrics that we know and love, but we don't attach a number to them. So we don't say so-and-so is going to hit 35 home runs. We might say someone so-and-so has significant power or extreme power or moderate power. And, and then we assemble all these profiles and we group players together and find out that a lot of players are, are very, very similar. So uh, let me see, give an example here. Um, so like Julio Rodriguez is one of the top three picks going in drafts this year. Um, but a couple of rounds later, if you take a look at underlying skills, Michael Harris has a very similar shape to his skills profile. And while he's not exactly the same player, he's you know a younger player, well, both young players really, a uh, slight injury concern maybe, but if you passed on Julio Rodriguez in the first round and took Michael Harris two rounds later, you're not giving up that much because statistics themselves are highly variable and uh, a player could hit 20 home runs one year and 28 home runs the next year and still be essentially the same player. Um, and once you start building these groups of players, um, these groups of, of skills profiles, it gives you a different way of approaching the draft. And, and so Babs provides a series of reports that helps you uh, look at players and, and who, uh, if you pass up on a player, who's four other players that you can look at who might have similar skills that you're not giving up all that much. And the other element of Babs, uh, it is a balance sheet and the other element is risk. So Babs puts, it quantifies risk such a way that you can uh, create a risk budget and say, I'm going to incur X number amount of risk elements and, and basically build your team that way. So you know where the skill is, where the risk is, and uh, decide how you're going to construct your roster. So it's at babsbaseball.com, there's, there's a free PDF that you can read and explains the entire program. And um, yeah, it's, we've been doing it now since 2014, 2015, I guess. And uh uh, got lots. It's gotten 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 a lots of good uh, reps on that. I I, uh, I profiling players. You know, as we both done for years. Uh, I kind of found there was a a group of player. I, a guy who strikes out a lot. I just assume he's he chases. He chases. He chases. By doing some profiles, I learned there's a whole subset of players who don't chase very much, but. They make terrible contact on those pitches, which they do chase. Hmm. So it kind of it kind of made a, a different a head of a group of players. Then I ended up just making kind of quadrants about why people strike out, and I said, "I'm kind of doing my own little version of Ron's Babs, but on a different, you know, on a different." So it's a that's I like great. The, yeah, yeah, I love the, the concept. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm not not going to put out tats or anything like that, you know. But but uh, but I I love the, the concept. Is so it's one of those things where it's so simple. It's like why why. Can we do this so much earlier? Uh, the concept is so clean and elegant and can be applied, I think, in lots of different areas. I think a lot of it's the fact that we've just been conditioned conditioned to try to find the most that that find the most uh, accurate projections. Trying to find accurate projections seem to be such a I mean, this goes back to the, the 1990s. I mean, everyone was like, let's predict what these players are gonna do. And if we can predict what they're gonna do, then we can do well in our leagues. Well, that's not necessarily so. Good projections, good projections can be helpful, but as we found out in 2020, when we were running those those uh -huh. retro leagues, you can know 
what every player is going to do and have those statistics and still not be able to assemble a good fantasy team. Uh, evaluation and roster construction are two completely different skills. And even with the best projections or ac completely accurate projections, if you don't have those skills, you're not going to do well. So rather than focusing on the precision of projections, let's take a step back. Let's put players into, into buckets of, of like profiles and then figure out how to build those into a, a successful roster. You you mentioned those one of the we kind of turned that into a laboratory in 2020. Yeah. And my favorite part about it, and I to this day I need to think about it before I go into a draft because it's so important, was Jeff Winnick. And we ran the same exact format twice. Mm -hmm. And Jeff won with I don't remember the 180 $180 worth of assembled talent. If you convert into dollar value, somebody else won the won the league in a different draft with like two hundred and seventy dollars worth. The point being, Jeff took only air quote only one hundred and eighty dollars worth of value and won. Mm -hmm. So I I just that's a, I, the numbers I don't care about. It's the lesson. That's all. That's roster construction, and that yeah. to me, it just it's kind of yeah. it still blows my mind a little bit to this day. Is that you know. You know, you you change the projection; it's now a dollar more. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but no, exactly. And, and here's here's a quote for your next book. You, you can take my rankings. You can take HQ. I think you've probably heard me. They say this. You can take anybody. Take my rankings into a draft. If, if fifteen people take it into the draft, the same rankings, one's going to think I'm a genius. Mm -hmm. One's going to think I'm an idiot. Then the other thirteen are somewhere in between, right? I mean, it's right? Not it's, it's true, and that's exactly what it showed. Those those, those uh, yeah exercises that we did, yeah. It's not wow. yeah, it's not the projections. It's what you do with them, right? And there's only you know that's that's what the little blurbs in the forecaster box tries to help us out, and yeah. we all have our own ways of doing that. But it's it's to me that's just that's more important. And and you mentioned part of the book, and one of the quotes in there is, I think that. Drafting of a team is a skill unto itself. Yeah. And not everybody in the industry is a, you know, I, I wish I was a better drafter. I think I can offer information to help people be, be a good drafter. I fall short and my track record shows that I fall short on that and the, still trying to get better. But I think that's a skill unto itself is to being able to assimilate. And part of it is baths is, is understanding that you can uh, balance risk and people call me too safe. And I maybe I need to make a check mark of two of getting more risk into my into my lineups, and that's part of what Babs does. Uh, so you've got it's also I mean you mentioned a free article. It's it's it's, it's a, a subscription service as well. Uh, well, it used to be a subscription service. Now oh, okay. I'm just putting yeah now just putting out individual okay. reports. So there's a January report, February and March, and uh, you can buy any of the three or all three, and and it'll give you a whole suite of different uh, tables and charts and what that you can use to uh, to help draft your team. And you've used it successfully. You know, I know you don't play as many leagues, but you've used it, and and it's had it's had a good degree of success for you. Oh yeah, um, I don't I don't even hesitate now to sit down to draft with just you know. Uh, the Babs ranking list, which it ranks, doesn't rank players. It ranks skills uh, profiles. Right. And sometimes uh, a player who might be going in a 10th round has a skills profile comparable to one that's going in the third round, but a little bit more risk. And as long as my roster can uh, absorb some of that risk, 
within the risk budget, I'll wait on a guy like that. So, uh, yeah, the, the cheat sheets at Babs Baseball provides all that information. And, yeah, I've, I've gone to many drafts with just the spreadsheet and done really well. In the in the form, the way the way you assess it, it kind of transcends all different formats. Points league, five by five. I mean, because it's a, it's you just have to understand which skills are more applicable to your exact format. But it's not like this is you know five by five or points or best ball. This can be applied. Principles can be applied to any format. Stratomatic, yeah. you know, sim. It can be applied to anything. Yeah, I've used this in score sheet leagues. Yeah, uh, we've there are a few indicators there for skills that aren't not specifically spelled out. Like for for players who have high on base percentages, we put a little asterisk next to them so you know that their walk rate is like ten percent or higher. So it gives you a little bit of extra information about that. But um, yeah. Power, speed, batting average, uh, strikeout ability, uh, pitching effectiveness, it's all encapsulated in some very basic ratings that uh, are assembled into uh, these tiers, these uh, these groups. Yeah, no, I think what StatCast and what our buddy Nick Pollock, Pitcher List, a lot, this is all important work. But sometimes we have to, we're playing fantasy baseball. Let's... Okem's Okem's razor. You know, let's 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 mm-hmm. take a step back a little bit. Not that we don't need to know exit velocities and bacon's and and all these other things, but sometimes I need to remind myself. You know, it's 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 the risk. It's the uh, let's let's remember what we're doing here is playing fantasy baseball, and Babs helps to me anyway to keep rooted in that in that regard. Yeah, it's again if if we get too bogged down in in the the, the minutia of the numbers and, and worrying about, oh, this guy, his, his ADP is in the four, in the 14th round, but uh, if I take him in the eighth round, is that a ridiculous reach? Well, it might not be. It really might not be. If, you know, you assess the skills and, and you realize that the reason he's, he's ranked so low in, in the ADPs is because maybe last year he had an off year and people don't see that the, the skills were still there. And they're just leaning in on, on recency bias. So, uh, yeah, uh, BAP strips away all that stuff and allows you to see the player for the, the skills profile he possesses and uh, and the risks that are part of his profile. And then you decide uh, where it makes sense to draft him. No, I, I no, I think that's a great you, – you kind of – when you were HQ, you started the Mabry method, and this was mm-hmm. sort of the, the next iteration – Oh, uh, you know, and Mabry is very helpful. I know people are very happy using that as, as well. To me, it's kind of it takes the Mabry method to the next level. And uh, exactly, and that's that's exactly was the impetus for for looking at Babs. I I was using Mabry, and it was like this this is interesting, but I think we can we can embrace imprecision a little bit more. And that's what Babs does is it recognizes the fact that we we can't lean in on on. On the 35 home runs or 38 stolen bases, we have to look at the underlying skill and just uh, assume that there's going to be a range around that skill. And mm-hmm. even even using a mean of that range is still not giving uh, appropriate uh, effort to to figuring out where that player slots in into your roster. I mean, you're talking from the projection end. I can speak from the valuation end. Valuation is incredibly flawed. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though even if we know the statistics there's so many flaws within valuation itself that if you're using your, you know, a value calculator to set your rankings, 
you're using imperfect rankings and an imperfect valuation at this point. So it's just uh, Patrick and I have talked about that a few times uh, on, on, on the HQ podcast. You may know uh, you're talking about projections. Uh, it came up on the HQ forums. Your your old article was was re, is being uh, resurfaced. The 2007 the projection art accuracy article was that was that the great uh, myths of projective accuracy. Yeah, so that yeah. was that's, that's being uh, getting a new life. I don't know if you get you know residuals from it. Probably not. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it, people uh, it's kind of making the rounds on the HQ forums. It's it's just it it's it's evergreen. You know, yeah, well, it, it's the concept, the whole underlying concept doesn't change. You know, we, you know, again, if, if a guy hits 30 home runs one year and, and 12 the next, everybody's going to be wondering, where did this power go to? Well, maybe it didn't go anywhere. First of all, just normal statistical volatility, but maybe he hit 20 more doubles and, you know, the wind kept the right. ball in the park and it's... You know, it's that high volatility of the, of the numbers that kind of leads us astray. People, uh, players don't, their, their skills don't change all that much from one year to the other. And you got to find an underlying thread that, that helps you level it out and see exactly what's going on. Yeah, you know, when someone can show me an evaluation system that I feel properly evaluates projections, then I will submit my my projections. I don't think there's a system. I don't. I haven't yet, and I know some of our friends do it, mm-hmm. and you know that's fine to each their own. I haven't found a system that I think truly reflects the accurate. I know there's 70 percent out there, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, until, you know, I, I, how did my people do? How did I do? They didn't do so well. What did we fall short in? Well, under projected power, I better figure out how to project power better. That's my system of, of, you know, of, of looking at it. So it's, uh, uh, I just, I don't believe in the accuracy. How do you configure it out? I haven't. No, I, so very smart people have tried and I still haven't seen a way that I think, yep, that's it. No, I haven't found I, it yet. I, I don't believe there's really a, a, a completely bias free way of, of doing it. You know, in the past, uh, when I was running baseball HQ, I would not allow my projections to be put out there uh, to be compared with others, not because I didn't have confidence in them. I had perfect confidence in right. them, but, uh, my attitude has always been, okay, let's, let's have a model that we have, that we are confident in and let it spit out some baseline numbers, but then let's go in player by player and see, okay, this, okay, this, this guy's uh, contact rate is up and his hard hit ball rate is up. And the model is not really reflecting the increase in these levels. We need to tweak this a little bit. And so we got our hands dirty and we moved numbers around and we, straight away from the model. We weren't married to the model. We just used it as a start. But um, we just found that a lot of other sources get married to their model, and that's what they're putting up there to be evaluated. And I I just – I don't see how that really can happen. We're dealing with human beings and, um, you know, various skill levels and various uh, abilities to to stay healthy. And, uh, yeah, there's just – there's so much going on that, that it can't be pinned down by a single model. No, absolutely. I uh, want to talk a little bit about what we do on the Tout Wars, forum, Tout Wars board. But before that, take a, a quick break for some words from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, Ron and I are back. Uh, we'll let Ron, before we close, remind everybody one more time where you can get his book, Fantasy Expert. But I thought we'd close out with a, little, a short, a little discussion on on Tout Wars. We're both on the forum, uh, both on the on the board of Tout Wars, and one of the things that we try to do on the board is balance innovation with being relatable to the public, mm-hmm. right? I think that's it's 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 I think that's maybe one of the keys. And I had the list of trying. We had we were the first for five by five and OBP. Mm-hmm. And having it, some of this has to do with, to be honest, commissioner services being able to handle these sort of things. Right. Uh, midweek moves. Uh, we, we talked a little about fan tracks. On Roto has been really great for us as far as being able to accommodate any of these rules that we want to add. And then mm-hmm. uh, Scott, et cetera, Wilderman from, he now makes it part of On Roto's services. Well, I did it for Tell Wars. I might as well try to sell it the way we sure. handled Otani. Um, the swing man. And now we have, you know, not just that, but spreading to draft and hold and uh, different formats, uh, innings pitched and solds in a league. And the latest rule that we talked about and we have instituted is in the only leagues, 
we've taken the middle and corner and consolidated it to infield. We've taken that extra roster spot and made it a second, what we call swingman, where you can have a hitter of any position or pitcher. And we already have a swingman. The the fifth outfielder is a swingman. And the impetus was the player pool in only leagues. And I know those listening that play only leagues, I hopefully this podcast is not shrinking, but I know overall it's shrinking, but it's still, you know, the first format, it's still the, 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 uh, the OG as the kids say. Mm-hmm. And we were just trying to make the game experience better. And, you know, we, you know, we always, well, this isn't the way people play. What's the, the we, we try to balance? Well, maybe they should play this way. So it's it's always and you're in it from the beginning. I came in much later, but and you were telling me you can tell the, the the people this is kind of why Tout Wars started. Well, yeah, I mean, back when the first rotisserie league baseball book came out, that was the Bible, that was gospel, yeah. and um, folks refused to stray from the rules in that book. And uh, once people started straying. The American Dream League uh, was the first league that started straying from the rules, uh, realized that there are different ways to play this game, and some of it made it better. I mean, if we were still playing by the original rules, we wouldn't have reserve lists. We wouldn't have DIL lists. We, The only way we could replace a player is if he got shot. <laughs> it was just, um, uh, so we've, we've had to uh, adjust and find ways to to make the game more enjoyable and and and, and more fun for for game players. So when Tout Wars started, we said, "All right, let's let's create our own uh, constitution. We'll start with the basics that we know we're not going to change." Um, and one of those basics was the roster construction of fourteen hitters and nine pitchers, and that. That is the one thing that has stayed sacrosanct for a lot of leagues. They will not stray from 14 hitters, nine pitchers. And that is like one of the first things now, like you mentioned, we need to change because the the, the game has changed. Major league roster construction has changed. So some of the rules we employed in Tout Wars, like the swing man, is, is something to help us balance out these changes at the major league level and still have access to uh, – players in, in a free agent pool that have some value other than, you know, a half dozen second catchers that have no value. So yeah, it's, it's, it's all about changing with the game and letting it evolve with, with the way baseball's evolving. No, for sure. I mean, fantasy baseball is a little bit odd in that it's, it started in its most complicated form and it's kind of I don't. I hate simpler, easier because I don't want to denigrate any particular style. The best style is the one that the group you're playing with thinks is the best. Mm-hmm. But we've gone. You know, I don't. We've gone. The analogy. We've gone from chess to checkers. I don't like to think that way, but it's kind of the best way to describe I me. Mean, Twelve team AL and NL only with no moves. Now it's 12 team mixed with with Fab and daily daily moves. So it's uh, the way. It's kind of interesting in the way that it's. Uh, it's grown in that regard. And it's just to get more people in it. I, I think people are, are kind of surprised when they hear that 75% of all, not listening to this podcast, not subscribing to Babs and reading your book, but 75% of all people who play fantasy baseball play in a head to head points. Right. And it's no, you're yeah. yeah. I, t- I, t- I talked to ESPN and Yahoo and CBS like every other year, just to get the number 
So when I talk about it, I have it right. I'm not just, uh, you know, and that's the number. 75% yeah. play 10 or 12 team head-to-head points. That's all driven by football. I mean, it's. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's it really is. It's uh, back in the in the mid to late 90s and football started gaining uh, exposure. And that's the way they played the game. And, and football is just so huge now. It's it's several times the size of, of baseball in the industry. And so folks in football, they say, oh, let me try it. Let's see if we can try this in baseball. So they're going to. They're going to gravitate to a format that they're familiar with, and that's that's what's driven the growth in baseball. And it's it's a great way to play the game. It's a different way to play the game. Um, but yeah, it's 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 fostered lots of different formats in baseball, which uh, makes it more fun. Would you you play it the way you uh, you find it most fun? Right. And then there are people that there's a great group of young analysts now that whose job is taking upon themselves to take you from a ten team points into a rotisserie, into a, you know, and, and we, that's a, kind of what we did years ago to a certain extent. And yeah. uh, there's a great group of people out there now that are, that are doing that. And I think that's uh it's, it's kind of a great thing, but you mentioned uh, continuing to change. Is this our third, I think this is our third year of wins re- being replaced by innings pitched and yes. saves being saves plus hold. And if I'm starting a league, that's, I'm definitely using wins instead of innings pitched, and I'm sorry, innings pitched instead of wins. And I could be talked into saves plus holes, but that's the kind of innovation that we're doing. And we're finding people want to play in that league. They're requesting to play in a league with those categories, which is always kind of we we expanded it this year to 15 teams to accommodate everybody that wanted to play. I wanted to play in that league, but I switched out of it to help a friend out for travel. But uh, it's just I think that's the kind of I think that's important. In what we do, unfortunately, there's a good, great number of industry people out there to fill these spots for us. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the way uh, wins are being assigned in, in Major League Baseball and starting pitchers only going five innings or less. The wins categories has become a lot more random and a lot more difficult to project. And innings pitched is a good proxy. I mean, if, if a pitcher is good, he's going to be staying in the game for more innings. And, and uh, I think it serves the same purpose on a more broader scale. And uh, it sort of made sense. So uh, yeah, so that league, yeah, people are kind of clamoring to get into it because they realize it kind of changes the way you play a little bit. Mm -hmm. And again, it makes it more fun. Makes it more fun. Yeah. Whenever I I think of that league, I think of how much better our friend Lar Michaels would have done all the time he drafted Mark Burley. (laughs) Burley ate innings and he didn't get credit for it. Yeah. That's to me that that's, that's what it's for. Or and Jacob it, Degrom all those years. I mean, yeah, yeah, had, had massive stats, and he couldn't uh, couldn't win a game with the Mets. So, yeah, yeah. So, well, uh, no, exactly. And we'll uh, we'll see. We're both rooting for teams that we wish did a little bit more in the off season. We'll see yeah. how it we'll see how it ends up. I mean, pitchers and catchers. I, I was. I'm a. You know what? I don't need to know where these are gonna guys are gonna sign. Let's let things play out. Pitchers and catchers have reported. Mm-hmm. Pitchers should be on a team at this point, I think. Anyway, and I know why they're not with, with Mr. Boris getting the best deal he can, and that's his job. But pitchers should be with their teams, I think. At this yeah, point, they should be the camaraderie and just getting getting used to your catcher and all that stuff. But hopefully, hopefully, it won't be too long before uh, before everybody's reporting and we know who we're dealing with. As a as a Jordan Montgomery order, uh, owner, I'm just uh, waiting here, wondering what's going to happen here. I'd, I'd like to know. I'd like to know. I don't think you have to worry about him signing with Colorado. No, no. I think <laughs> I think 
you're probably you're probably safe there. But even I don't know if he signs with Boston, people forget that Fenway Park is the second most prolific runs park. I'm not talking about the Red Sox offense or pitching. The park itself embellishes runs more than anything but Coors Field. So these things do matter. Yeah, that's it's surprising, but uh, it's it's true. When I was doing some of the uh, the rankings and ratings for Babs during off season, I made my new list of the parks that are a positive influence, parks negative influence. A lot of a lot of them switched, uh, moved on on the ranking list this year, which I was surprised about. Uh, yep, Yankee yeah. is not on on the positive list anymore. Right, we're. I'm not sure how much of it is the universal humidor, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they're, 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 and that just shows you how variable we treat park factors as gospel. Even those are, you know, if you make, I, I'm at the point where I don't, I don't like to make a decision based on the park because, yeah, you, it, I call them the necessary evil. I mean, yeah. you're better using them not, but they're not gospel. Right, that's absolutely so. true. It's a, and really, the only ones I look at are, are when a player moves from an extreme pitcher's park to an extreme hitter's park, or or vice versa. Um, otherwise, it's it's just kind of muddled in the middle. It doesn't have that big of an effect. Absolutely. Um, we could we could go on all day and mm-hmm. uh, promise forty five to an hour, and we both have something to do in half an hour talking about tout wars. Mm-hmm. So uh, give you another a chance, one more time to to plug the book, Fantasy Expert. And Babs, and then we'll and then we'll officially thank you formally. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Todd. I appreciate it. Yeah, this uh, this is my baby. Uh, Amazon is always a good place to go if you want to get thirty percent off until Tuesday. Uh, Triumphbooks.com. Do a search for fantasy expert, and at the in the shopping cart, uh, expert thirty e x p e r t three zero gets you thirty percent off on the book. Are you? Going on a book tour of any sort? Uh, so far, I, I they're trying to assemble a book tour. I've got two stops in March in Florida, which is where I live. So uh, March 9th, I'll be at a Barnes & Noble in Fort Lauderdale. And March 24th, I think I'm going to be at Books & Books in Coral Gables uh, outside of Miami. So uh, that's being set up so far. There may be some more coming. Um, and a few more video hits and whatnot. I'm, I'm doing a... Uh, a video presentation uh, for Saber, uh, beginning of March too. So uh, things are coming up. I'll be around. Follow you, on, follow you on social media, and you'll be let, letting people know, right? Yes. When you, yes. Yeah, so follow Ron on social and uh, mm-hmm. and look into Babs. And uh, once again, thank you very much, sir, for coming on. It's always a pleasure. Thanks uh, for inviting me. I, I no, appreciate great. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe we're going to try to. We'll try to. We'll try to get you on the award-winning radio show in the next once once we make the flip later this month okay to, that to, sounds to, great. on the on the on the serious airways okay. anyway thank thanks people for listening actually i'll be back with clay tomorrow we won't be talking about two-star pitchers but we'll figure something to talk about thanks everyone <laughs>